0: Today's speaker is uh, Dr. Ning Zhang, and he leads the Computer Security and Privacy Laboratory at Washington University in uh, San Louis. And previously, he also worked at Raytheon. And today, today's talk is about security and privacy in the cyber-physical world, including IoT devices and uh, embedded systems. All right,
1: thanks, Antonio, for the introduction. Um... Uh, so the, the the topic that I'm going to talk about today is security and privacy in the cyber-physical world. Um, my very biased vision of the future is that uh, we are embracing a brave new cyber-physical world uh, where everything is interconnected and the uh, cyber war and physical war is closely intertwined together. Uh, we already we are already witnessing a whole bunch of life-changing cyber-physical systems from voice assistant to uh, AR goggles that can translate uh, languages in real time to 3D printed organs that uh, uh, has been used to save lives. However, we have also witnessed how uh, vulnerabilities in these systems can uh, undermine the safety and security of its users. so my best vision of security and privacy in the cyber-physical world, in other words, our, the vision for our lab uh, is threefold. Um, from the system security fronts, uh, which is m- my background, uh, we are more concerned on the security and privacy, uh, security and safety in the presence of cyber attacks. Uh, some of the research topics that we work on are um, CPS availability, real-time system security, resilience, Uh, software protection in real-time CPS, medical device, trust execution environments. Um, Moving up the step a little bit, uh, AI, I believe, is uh, changing many uh, sectors in the society nowadays. And we are also interested in AI security because it's sitting on top of the system, uh, looking at the software uh, algorithm aspects. So, in in this domain, we work on physical, where realizable, of a zero example, semantic preserving of a zero example, and malware. Um, And on the privacy front, uh, we are interested in uh, both the cyber privacy and physical privacy in the emerging new settings. Uh, So, I'm going to talk about our work on spy camera detection.
2: Um, So I'm going to start a
1: presentation with the research for us on security and uh, safety in the presence of cyber attack. So in this line of work, we make the assumption that attacker can actually find vulnerabilities and compromise our system. And we think about ways to, you know, bring the line of defense in such that we can remain safe even in the presence of cyber attacks. Um, so the first work I will talk about. Uh, so I, from all of the work that I will talk about in this talk, uh, I'll only give the brief introduction. Except the first work, I'll go into the detail. Um, for the first work, the research question is: How do we secure the emerging safety-critical cyber-physical systems, even when the attacker can compromise the kernel? Uh, can we maintain minimum control, such that you know, for example, the drone taxi can land safely and people can get out? I'm going to play this introduction
2: video. A defining characteristic of
0: real-time cyber-physical systems is their continuous interaction with the physical world. For safety functions like pedestrian detection, computation resources have to be available in a timely manner. Sensing, control, and actuation forms a control loop. Availability for CPS implies timely access to computation for control and timely access to IO for sensing and actuation. In this paper, we present the design of a real-time trusted execution environment to ensure system availability. In order to minimize the TCB, we leverage the observation that control programs in CPS are predictable by design. Our system trades off rich functionalities for minimal yet secure implementation using hierarchical scheduling and IO driver debloating. If you are interested in our work, please join us at SNP.
1: Um, so that's the introduction. Um, as, as a matter of fact, please ask me questions and make this interactive as much as possible. Um, our, otherwise, I will be reading through my slides for 40 minutes and it's, um, it's not very fun. Um, so. One of the things that you, when you think about, hey, I got a normal world compromise or I have a compromised OS, the first thing you probably think about to defend against this type of attack is trusted execution environment. Um, particularly because we're working on embedded device, so it would be ARM Trust Zone. Um, so ARM Trust Zone provides a hybrid assisted, uh, strong isolation between uh, s- s- uh, normal world and secure word. However, um, in existing deployment of TEs, uh, most of the time, we shift uh, all the scheduling and I.O. to normal work for simplicity in secure work, right? We're making this cautious trade-off choice um, because most of the scheduling, I.O. management, and resource management are complex. So we're shifting, shifting all of them to normal work. But for availability, it's very important that we have a trustworthy... Research, resource scheduling algorithm. Um, why is availability important in cyber physical systems? Uh, because it, you know CPS, uh, particularly safe critical safety critical CPS, uh, they have continuous interaction with the physical world. Um, in order for, the, for them to function correctly, they need to perform sensing, control, and actuation in a timely manner. Um, for example, uh if we don't stop the vehicle in time when we detect a possession then it it might be too late by the time the car stops and lastly uh there are you know very bad or or severe physical or kinetic consequences for missing computation deadlines uh in cyber physical systems Um, therefore that's why in this particular work we choose to focus on um, ensuring availability in cyber-physical systems. Um, to further motivate why real-time availability is important, uh, we develop an attack called uh, uh, the time-warping attack, where we exploit the dynamic frequency voltage scaling DVS features in CPU to you know, sort of slow down the processor, but you know, still let it run. Um, The moment we launch the attack, you can see the trajectory on the bottom left of the figure uh, start going out of the baseline. And um, on the right, you can see the absolute error in the post just skyrocketed. And and that
2: would lead to crashing of the vehicle.
1: So real-time availability in cyber physical systems actually uh, implies two types of availability protections. Uh, the first one is real time computation availability. That is for uh, the control algorithm to run. Uh, once you sense something, you want to perform computation on the uh, sense physical state so that you know how to control the actuator. Right. Um, the second part is real time IO availability for sensing and actuation. So basically, we want to be able to sense <clears throat> correctly and actuate. The controls uh the physical control of the robotic vehicle uh s- security and timely our threat model is we assume arbitrary execution in normal world uh, we end to use denial of service attacks to destabilize the cyber physical system and um, we assume the attacker can um, deny access to a processor deny access to io in other words uh, deny all the access to sensor and actuators and disable peripherals, uh, for example, disable the timer and power. And <clears throat> attacks that we do not consider are hardware and sensor attacks, uh, side channel attacks. There are, so from RTTE system overview, there are three main parts, uh, three main research questions that we have to answer. The first one is what is the minimum set of hardware primitive for availability? Um, that is for bootstrapping the availability using resource isolation and secure timer. <clears throat> the second research question is, how do we ensure CPU availability with small TCB? Um, you know, one of the easiest things to ensure real-time availability is you know, implement, re-implement the entire scheduling system inside the secure domain, but that's going to blow up the TCB. And the last research question that we have to answer is how do we ensure real time IO availability with, with a small TCB? Because directly migrating the driver into a secure um, would also increase the TCB significantly. <clears throat> so, to answer the first research question, uh, we look at the basic requirements of cyber physical systems or real time cyber physical systems. And we find out that, you know, There are basically two things that you need in order to uh, ensure that you have secure and timely uh, execution of safety critical workloads. The first one is a secure timer. Using the secure timer, you can trap the execution from untrusted normal work back to secure work. In other words, you can get back your execution rights. The second one is um, resource isolation because you want to be able to insert yourself into all the access control to, to mitigate all the, all the access control sort of I/O reference pointer. Uh, that would allow you to perform fine-grained resource management. So these are the two key requirements. So uh, tag on to the secure timer, you, you also need to have access to physical passage of time. The reason why we require, uh, we require that is because um, Passage of time is interesting in computer. The computer doesn't really have a concept of physical world time, right? It goes by clock tick. So you also need the physical passage of time,
2: but that's part of the secure timer.
1: So given those two primitives, how do we ensure real-time CPU availability without significantly increasing the TCB? Um, <clears throat> if you look at uh, existing uh, scheduling paradigm, uh, all, the no- all the scheduling is done by the normal work. Naive implementation is to move the complex Linux scheduler to the secure work. However, if, you, if we do that, then secure work would not only need to know um, its own scheduling context, but also all the complex uh, task structures inside the normal work kernel and that would significantly uh, uh, increase the complexity of the secure. Uh, Within this hierarchical scheduling framework, uh, then we can uh, decouple the real-time responsiveness from the complexity of the scheduler design. Uh, So hierarchical scheduling is a common way to perform uh, compositional scheduling within real-time computing. And we are leveraging this real-time computing tool to enable this decoupling. Uh, There are two levels of uh, CPU scheduler. At the word scheduler level, you have the sole purpose of that scheduler is to decide whether to run the non-secure work or to run the secure work, right? Um, and once you decide, you hand the execution right to either the secure scheduler or the non-secure scheduler. Um, this way, the, the word scheduler only needs to know very basic information about which word to uh, to direct the control to, and, and that's it. However, it's actually not that easy. There are, um, if you look at it, there are many challenges in terms of um, not having multiple physical timer, uh, interrupts, uh, we have a lot more detail in terms of designing this policy-based and event-based optimization in the paper. Um, but from a very high level, um, at design time, we uh, need to fit the task execution model, such as, um, you know, is it periodic task, is it sporadic task, the scheduling algorithm, is it Ray monotonic, uh, into this compositional scheduling analysis. Uh, using the compositional scheduling analysis you get um, the word policy, which is get fed into the word scheduler and the individual's uh, OS scheduler can, can handle their own OS time once they, they got the piece of the slice of computation, uh, CPU uh, to, ex, to execute on. How do we ensure the real-time IO availability without significantly increasing TCB? That's the uh, third research challenge. Um, the, within the ability, there are actually multiple smaller challenges. For example, uh, like I said in the very beginning, if you just migrate all the driver from normalware to secure, wear, then you could potentially increase the TCB significantly. Um, if, if you can um, the current I/O isolation for TE is bus level, uh, such as I2C bus. So we don't really have lower than bus level uh isolation hardware enforced isolation that's provided by trust zone um, the real-time property on io is um hard to guarantee when you don't consider the real-time performance and, and priority inversions uh, because we're limited to 40 minutes so i will only go through how we solve the first one and um give brief highlight of about how we solve the rest in order to solve the first challenge, uh, we leverage the observation that, um, if you look at the CPS sensing and actuation, it's actually very predictable. So predictable means um, it always sends the same thing over the serial bus. So we templatize that entire interaction, uh, that way we can significantly reduce the TCB. And, um, but when you, once you templatize that, that you're trading off the expressiveness of the driver with a smaller tcb but how how do you maintain what happens if we need complex um features of driver so one of the ways that we did that is through a splitted kernel driver which which is a sandbox to prevent it from compromising the uh the secure os Uh, we also implemented the spatial temporal L reference monitor to ensure uh, that you know you cannot damage the motor or you cannot do party inversions um uh, to evaluate we built our own drone using raspberry pi 3 uh, as the control processing board and navio 2 board as the daughter board that would you know connect all the controls uh, we also done this on cortex a use, uh, cortex m using nxp lpc55s69 And we have both physical world experiments and software in the loop experiments. Um, So we we benchmark them and look at um, how they perform in the real world and we find that RTT actually has has minimum control impacts. We also look at all the real time tasks and we find out that the real time tasks have you know, none of them exceed the deadline either uh, when they are protected by RTT. Now. Um, that that is the RTT end of RTT work. So after finishing RTT work, because we did the um, the time wapping attack, so we have noticed that um, your trust zone is not you know bulletproof. Once you are able to slow down its processing, things go you know strange or or it will crush the system. So we asked ourselves like, can we use time as an attack vector? Um, And so we did a work where we look at what happens if we try to mess up the timing of your control systems. It turns out that we analyze many SLAM uh, algorithms. SLAM is for localization. Uh, We analyze many of the SLAM algorithms. uh, And we'll find out that, you know, using timing attack is actually possible to crush them. And if you look at the open loop testing on the top right, uh, you will find that, you know, when it's under attack, that the path deviates significantly from the baseline. And in closed loop, uh, you know, of course, things are much worse because it's closed loop testing. Therefore, you see the impact uh, uh, after each frame, it accumulates. What exactly, so I, I got a question. What exactly are the secure and non-secure world? Are they separate OS? Um, thanks for the question. Um, so in ARM Trust Zone, uh, if, let me roll back quite a bit. So in Arm um, Trust, uh, uh, the terminology is that your uh, regular OS is, uh, or rich OS, the, the OS with tons of functionality, runs on the non-secure states. And um, your secure OS, which does just very limited stuff such as fingerprinting uh, authentication uh, runs on the secure. So you can understand it as two OS running on the same
2: hardware. Hopefully that answers your questions.
1: Okay. Um so the the next thing we look at is you know can we use timing as an attack vector? And uh, we analyze slam and find out we can. Um, you know, that's good news for attacker, but bad news for defender. Um, but, but in that attack, we actually need to do many uh, manual tuning and manual uh, investigation and profiling of the system in order to launch the attack. So we immediately turn to, you know, we are computer scientists. So can we automate these attacks? Um, so in our RT, recent RTSS work, uh, we look at, is it possible to automate a resource contention based timing attack? Uh, and, um, there are three separate research challenges. The first one is, um, you know, what are the complete set of resource contention channels, right? Um, in our CCS work, we basically look at um, cache, but there are file system based, there are network based, um, and how do we automatically tune the primitive of each, uh, primi- uh, the parameters of each primitive, and the last one is, how do we adaptively select the combination of different channels, you know, both, both spatially, in other words, in one time slice, which channel are going to use, and, you know, temporally, in other words, um, for each of the time slice, how should you vary it between the channels, so you don't lock into one channel. Right, to maximum, ma- maximize attack impact. So um, by description, you can probably tell it's, it's a very large search space. Um, so we start tackling this challenge by surveying existing work to look at what are the performance uh, contention channels, right? Uh, interestingly, it's actually very um, closely related to side channels. So we get quite a bit of inspiration from there. Um, and then we develop a free phase template attack, um, also inspired by cache template attack. Um, so the free phase basically tackles each of the challenge stage. Um, in the first phase, we use genetic algorithm to automatically find the right parameter for each of the primitive. And in the second phase, we basically look at our target that we want to cause uh, performance inference on and ask, you know, you know, let's search for which primitives is most effective. And uh, for the last one, we use reinforcement learning to learn the time series of what primitive we should use at each stage. Um, uh, and uh, the yellow bar is our attack. As you can see, it's significantly better than just, you know, blankly writing memory. Um, so on the left are uh, benchmark attacks. Uh, so uh disparity MSER and SVM are you know Cortex M testing suites. And on the right, we actually the, the figure shows our attack on an actual localization algorithm. And uh, you can see our attack using the IO model, which is the brown uh, tilted slash, um, we're able to cause uh, deadline misses. As uh, in let me see in uh, iteration uh, 2000 and uh, 2500 now with the automatic attack uh, we wish under the previous work we showed that it's possible to do auto to automate this attack then we asked the question you know can we defend against this no if we cannot defend against at least we should be able to mitigate this right um and this work appeared in uh, iros this year my student was actually um, just presented this yesterday in Kyoto. Um, so uh, on the picture, you can see four trajectories. Top left is without, uh, you know, no resource constraint. Uh, there's no timing anomaly. Um, top right and bottom left are the resource constraint platforms. In, in, the, in other words, there are uh, resource contention due to platform resource, uh, limited platform resources. And you can see the trajectories is all out of whack. And uh, using our mitigation on the bottom right, you can see all the trajectories remain uh, somewhat aligned with the baseline. Now, in order to go into how we were able to design this mitigation step, uh, we need to understand that in SLAM algorithm, there's a front end and back end. And uh, we, through our analysis, we find out that most of the tag was able, was, uh, successful because it was desynchronizing front end and back end. So uh, our mitigation on the timing attack is, uh, we perform online adaptation, where the online atap- adaptation basically met, uh, uh, specifically uh, pick samples that are temporally aligned with each other. Um, but then how do you know how many to pick? So we uh, use an AI model to predict um. What is our timing budget and how much we are delaying? And the outcome, as you can see, at the uh, one thousand millisecond take, uh, one hundred millisecond take time point, we start launching the attack. Uh, you can see on the bottom left, the the purple one, uh, purple line is the response time. Uh, without our mitigation and the green line is with. And ours performs significantly better. And uh, on the bottom right, you can see the diagram where it shows that using our uh, mitigation step, we're able to mitigate the timing attack or at least timing anomaly. So with that, uh, I just went through our research on system security of cyber physical systems. I'm going to pause here and take any questions, if there's any. Okay, Um, so I have about 40 minutes left. Um, uh, You know, I would just talk about one work in our emerging, uh, in our privacy uh, line of work. Um, This one is in this year's CCS, and we are developing a usable uh, spy camera detector. Um, so, spy camera actually has been a, a real-world uh, physical privacy threat, uh, as you can see from all the news. Uh, and Airbnb was, uh, you know, equipped with many spy cameras. So we asked ourselves, you know, what does spy camera look like? Uh, so we went out and, and purchased every single spy camera on Amazon, and this is the collection, as you can see. Um, so some of the spy cameras they are disguised as electronics. Some of them are disguised as photo frames. Um, keep this in mind because it's important to, for our, our solution. Um, existing approach generally use either RF. So uh, for many of the spy cameras, because they are uh, Wi-Fi enabled spy cameras. So of course, if you look at, if you move around, uh, Wi-Fi actually transmits packet because you know, it detected moving stuff and the move, uh, and the video stream compression changes, right? Uh, so that would allow you to correlate the event. Um, but then, you know, this is great, but um, what happens to some of the spy cameras that doesn't transmit? Uh, in our market survey where we purchase uh, all the spy cameras, we found that many of them you know, actually doesn't transmit about uh, 40%, if I recall correctly. Um, the other approach is using a red uh, light to flicker around and hopefully the, the camera lens we reflect back the light to you so you can see a flashing dot. Um, so, this also works great, um, but sometimes you need to know where to look at uh, because the reflection is, um, you know, works very well when you're directly uh, against it, but when you're like at a tilted angle, it's, it's a lot more difficult to spot. So, you need to have the expertise. Um, then, we'll, then we'll come out with a way we say, you know, geez, I mean, uh, a photo frame shouldn't be shouldn't have heat on, right? Uh, what's going on? So, so we said, you know, let's use thermal emissions. Um, so, as you can see from the picture, um, not only does those photo frames that are not supposed to heat up uh, heat up, but also if you look at things that is supposed to heat up, it's actually much hotter because um, it's you know it need to process all the video and save them in SD cards. And one of the interesting things that we teach the machine learning algorithm to learn is that if you think about the packaging of the plug, right? um, In order to be stealthy, you need to keep the original external packages, right? Uh, But you need to fit extra electronic component inside that changes the heat dissipation of the case. So if you look at the case, the heat dissipation pattern, you will find that spy cameras is quite unique. So um, in order to, you know, because I mean, not everybody knows those pat- what those pattern looks like. So in order to make this particular tool more usable by the general public, and uh, we developed a neural network to try to recognize those patterns because, you know, AI is very good at recognizing patterns. Mm-hmm. And we, because it's the data-driven approach, uh, we actually collected large amount of photos. Um, We are making this repository uh, um, available for the community. So please, please contact us and make use of the data sets. Now, so besides privacy, we're also interested in looking at, you know, the algorithm level vulnerabilities of the cyber physical world. Um, So I'll I'll highlight two work that we've done here. Uh, One is physical realizable of zero example, Audio examples and then uh, semantic preserving audio examples. Um, in this uh, in this paper called "When Evil Costs Targeted adversarial Voice Over IP," um, we're asking the research question of how does new connectivity in the physical world impact the IoT system security? Particularly, um, you know, COVID ni- COVID nineteen has reshaped our life forever. Uh, like it or not, you know, right now we are very used to Zoom. I'm delivering a talk video Zoom. I, I can, you know, three years ago, I wouldn't think this is possible. I wouldn't think this is norm, um, but now it is. So, um, you know, adversarial audio samples has been around for quite a bit. So, you know, our group was asking, oh, geez, is it possible to deliver adversarial audio through Zoom? Then you sort of have this teleport system that can deliver adversarial audio. You know, you don't need to be right next to it anymore. Um, it turns out that yes, it's possible because we were able to do it, but on the other hand, it's actually much harder um, because um, for all the voice over IP solutions, uh, you actually need to go through a whole bunch of processes, including encoding, decoding, transmissions, sometimes packet job, uh, and, and you know, in order to optimize performance, many of the voice over IP solutions actually decided to filter out the frequencies that is not important for human to hear. Um, But it's actually very important for our adversarial examples because we inject in places that can maximize the deviation probability once it reached the uh, decision boundary, right? Um, And we also find out there's a whole bunch of noise uh, that we weren't expecting because it's supposed to be completely digital. Uh, Turns out that there are uh, many noises in um, the uh, encoding and decoding process and also uh, the entire pipeline. So we did a whole bunch of reverse engineering to understand them. And we designed a query based system to come up with adversarial examples. Um, we've performed a tag uh, on four of the popular voice assistants including you know, Amazon Echo, uh, over all types of video conferencing software. Um, you know, generally for over the line tag, we only uh, need only 100 and 500 queries. So that's, that's quite fast. Um, we are able to also demonstrate it's possible to perform all the error attack without getting highlighted. Because I mean, one of the things uh, in Zoom is that when you talk, Zoom highlight you. But if I'm the attacker, I really don't want it, you to highlight me because I am sending the attack, right? I don't want to get attributed. So uh, we, we look at it's possible to hide just below the speaker volume and you know, play baby crying or play the car driving by or play the sirens um, so uh, the website is right there. Um, if you're interested, please go onto the website. You can hear some of our serial examples. Um, there's a baby crying that embeds uh, malicious comment. Now, lastly, you're probably gonna be uh, asking the question of, uh, geez, now you can, of course, you can deliver serial audios, but how about voice authentication, <laughs> um, you know? And and also, I mean, car horn is pretty obvious. Um, you know, then we ask ourselves, can we do better in terms of making ourselves more stealthy? And the solution we come up with is um, semantic, semantic, meaningful adversarial audio attack. Um, so, in, in this particular work, uh, it it just got accepted to using Security, uh, the 2023, and um, we aim to use semantic adversarial audio to attack uh, the ASR and SR, the, so the uh, transcription system and the speaker recognition system. Uh, so different than previous work a little bit, uh, instead of traditional LP based so you just inject voice into the entire the spectrum, uh, we do semantic perturbation. So you're probably asking, what is semantic propagate, uh, perturbation, right? Um, so, in this particular case, we look at a pro- a prosody. And prosody is a semantic feature. So, it's things it like, are you angry? How fast are you talking? Do you have accent and things like that? I'm going to have an audio sample that you can listen to uh, in a bit. And uh, I just want to show this diagram because I want to show you um, in order to change a tune, tune to, from you know, anger to happy, you actually need to change a whole bunch of things across the temporal spec. Um, it's not just one point or two points, and that's what makes it hard. Uh, so we come up with um, a, a, a generative method to combine the original audio and the porosity manipulation vector to create this type of um, uh, porosity, natural, uh, semantic, meaningful uh, adversarial examples. And I just want to show quickly uh, what does it look like. So. To human, is supposed to uh, listen as uh, wipe the floor, but uh, machine, it says it's open the door.
2: Wipe the floor. Let we'll me play again. Wipe the floor.
1: Uh, and this is also wipe the floor, but uh, it says what I want to share. Wipe the
0: floor. Wipe the floor.
1: Right, so uh, it shows like tune changes. I mean, to human, it sounds almost exactly the same, except you know, my, my tone is different, my mood is different. But to machine is it's it's quite different. Um, and lastly, I just want to highlight our ongoing work, uh, called OPCPS, Open Platform for Cyber Physical System Security Research. Uh, within this, uh, so at WashU, we have a whole bunch of cyber physical systems that we build ourselves. Uh, we work with hospitals and. Um, We're trying to aggregate all the cyber because one of the key challenge of cyber physical system research um, is lack of system to the physical thing. And um, we want to be able to allow remote access into this physical system so that we can conduct system research on top of it. Um, If you're interested, please talk to me. Uh, I'm trying to get this started. But again, it doesn't have to be uh, my thing. It should be uh, our thing. And lastly, I, I sincerely want to thank all my students. Um, you know, these are brilliant work of my students. Uh, without them, uh, none of this would be possible. And I also like to thank all the funding agencies, uh, including uh, NSF, DHS, uh, um, Army Research Office, and uh, DOE, and lastly, WashU for supporting me. Um, thank you so much, and I'm uh, going to take questions.
0: <laughs> All right. So um, my question is uh, um, in your first work, so mm-hmm. you mentioned that you have the kind of word scheduler, right? So on yep. top of the, the the normal and a secure word, mm-hmm. right? So this scheduler, I mean, is supposed to be protected?
1: Yes, the word scheduler is in the secure word, So it's uh, within the trusted computing oh. base. It's assumed to be secure. Okay, and if the word scheduler is broken, then we're you know there's no security guarantee. Okay, so it's insecure word. Yes. Okay. Yes. Anything on the right is on secure word. So including the secure word OS scheduler. Yeah. Uh, we are imp- implement our own secure OS scheduler. It, it's fairly simple, but clearly the more complex uh, uh, you go with the scheduling algorithm in the
0: secure, yeah. the
1: the the more complex the TCB
0: is. Yeah. <laughs> another question that i'm just curious so you mentioned this spy camera right Mm -hmm. so and also you show the picture that there's the there's a lamp yep and the looks like the camera is right on the right in the middle yes (laughs) right so you're trying to detect the heat do you think that's going to be difficult because yeah it's supposed to be heat.
1: yeah yeah um that's a very good question uh in adverse environment where it was originally it was generating a lot of heat. Mm-hmm. Um, heat itself should not be the only determination. So that's why we use the neural network to train it to recognize patterns. So, um, but, you know, if you see a light bulb that's not evenly heated and, you know, on the side it's heated and then in the middle there's a ring that is cold and then in center again there's another heated spot. Then some, you know, it's, it's not a normal light bulb.
0: Okay, so yeah, and the that, neural yeah. And the it's, neural network. Off, means it's off, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's easier to detect, right?
1: Yeah, it's fairly easy for the neuron to
2: detect, yeah. I mean, I,
1: until people use those type of weird labels all, all around, then you know, it's a different story.
0: Yeah, that's a good idea, <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess I lost that, but for the, for the heat and camera detection yeah so, so what's the equipment you need to use to do the very good question in, so, so we have a uh,
1: uh, um, the thermal camera plug-in into the phone uh, the thermal camera plug-in is about 200 dollars and uh, you can plug it in a normal phone yeah 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 uh, interesting. interesting. they have both uh the android version and the iphone version i
0: have both Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I see a lot of these things actually. So they use that thermal counter to check your, you know, the temperature yeah. the, the some leakage from your windows, your doors. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so, you know,
1: because we were like, um, you know, thermal is always there. It doesn't matter what angle you look at it. So we were like, let's use thermal. <laughs> then, you know, we really don't need to tune at the right angle. And we're actually still able to pick them up. I mean, there are definitely limitations. Uh, if you put them right next to the stove, I'm, you know probably not going to
2: happen.
0: <laughs> uh, looks like we have a question here. Um, uh-huh. How were the malicious commands to the voice assistant developed? Were they made with machine learning?
1: Um, yes, yes. So uh, we have two work. Uh, the first one is query base. In query base, we basically um, use query uh, using the query result we estimate the gradient and we try to push the every serial sample across the boundary right um in the second example we use uh, a generative uh, neural net to gen- to synthesize the voice with different types of you know tune and um, prosody. so yes we did use ml to create
2: those thank you
0: Okay, I don't see any other questions, but uh, yeah, uh, Professor Think, thank you so much. Really appreciate you to come here and we're so happy to have you here to visit us on campus. Um, you know, it was thank great. Thank you, it's my great pleasure. Time.
2: Great, yeah, thanks a, a lot. Campus. Thanks.